Hi, this is Benjamin Light. And this is Marco Sparks. And today we are joined by a special guest, the script supervisor for Pretty Little Liars, Paula Hunsaker. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, how you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? We are doing wonderful. So I, I think to start off with, I, I feel like the first question we have to ask, because I imagine most of our listeners aren't as clear on this as, as we even are, and we're not very clear. What does a script supervisor do? <laughs> You're not the only ones that uh, are a little not clear about what our job is. Uh, you know, uh, the very quick and best way to describe the job of a script supervisor is um, we are basically the second pair of eyes of the editor and director. Hmm. You know, a director has so much to think about, worry about, deal with that, you know, just as human beings, things fall through the cracks, you know, and um, an editor is usually hard at work trying to cut whatever footage has been already shot and put together that they're not on set. So our job is to be the middleman between the two. You know, a director can have great footage and, you know, amazing stuff. But if continuity of the footage is not there, the editor is going to have trouble cutting it. Mm. So uh, our job is to make sure uh, it flows perfectly within continuity of everything, whether it be dialogue, mm -hmm. um, screen direction, wardrobe, makeup, hair, um, which you're kind of the last man with all the other departments to see the final you know, final stuff that's on the screen and say, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't match what we shot two days ago. We need to fix something because then you'll have problems in, in editing when they try and put it together. If something doesn't match, hmm. uh, in that respect. So we are, we are the second pair of eyes and, um, it's a, it's a good middle ground between the two that hopefully gets uh, amazing footage to the editor and everything just goes seamless for them that they'll be able to cut it together. I know I had seen online that script supervisors also sometimes called continuity supervisors. So mm -hmm. yeah. yes, correct. Yeah. Way back when they first started, uh, they used to be called script girls <laughs> 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 way back in early, early, early Hollywood script girls. <laughs> I was going to say, so you're probably not as focused on say like you know the performance that's happening as much as you know is there is their hair you know is it kind of draped over their shoulder when it shouldn't be or something like that or like are they getting all the the dialogue necessary that sort of thing um that's actually not necessarily true um mm -hmm. a lot of times what could happen um performance is actually a big thing that we watch as well because mm -hmm. you know if we because you shoot a script out of sequence we can shoot a scene previous one day, uh, come into a new one and you need to, you know, the director's usually on 100% on top of, of how they should be in respect to performance. If the scene previous that we shot three days ago, you know, they just had some catastrophic thing happen to them. You mm -hmm. know, the next scene, it, it's something about that should carry over within performance. If they were sad and crying before and nothing should take them into a new type of emotion, you know, some of that should carry over into the next scene. And if all of a sudden they're happy and, you know, happy and go lucky and everything's all great, something's not jiving pretty well <laughs> there. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so yeah, we watch performance as well, but 
nine times out of 10, that's something that we won't have to really talk to the director about because they're 100% on top of it. So the example that I want to throw out, that's not exactly related, but only a little bit is I remember Brian Holden was telling us, uh, when it got to the point where like Mona was revealed as a, yeah, someone had said to Janelle Parrish, play it like you did in the greenhouse. And she was like, that wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, um, it's tough because a lot of times when you have to kind of remind you, you have to remind an actor where they were sometimes. Um, or if we have like different people playing, a or whatever the case may be, you know, it's, it's something you have to remind them. And sometimes mm-hmm. when we get in new directors, because we have a lot of usual suspect directors that come through like Norman Buckley and, um, they don't know what might have happened either two seasons ago or seven episodes ago. So it's something that needs to be reminded. Definitely. Okay. So we're very curious about your history. Like what led you into this business and how did you get into script supervising? My story, uh, starts. Uh, well, I went to film school at Cal State Long Beach, and my original path was actually going to go into editing. That was uh, where my my passion was. I'd always been very truly intrigued um, when I went to the movies about how, you know, how stories were cut together, how the movie was shot and cut together and put together, and why they made those choices of those shots to cut together. Mm-hmm. So when I was in film school. I wasn't a very good film school student by (laughs) any means. I just kind of wanted to get out there working and just get out as, as possible as I, you know, quick as, as possible. Luckily they had an internship class, an internship class at at, uh, Cal State Long Beach. So I took the internship class and decided that I think the best way to get out into the business was to learn as much as you could about every part of the industry. Mm. And one of the internships that they were offering was with a talent agent totally off the beaten path, but I decided, why not? Let's see that side of it. So I took the internship with a talent agent and whenever her actors would get jobs on a movie set or whatever the case may be, she would take me with her to go and visit them for a day. And as I would go and visit the actors on the sets, I found myself every single time getting very, very intrigued by the script supervisor. Now, they did not teach script supervising in film school at the time when I went to college. So I knew only a little bit about what they did, but by no means what their job truly entailed and how much about editing you had to know to be a script supervisor. Hmm. So as I watched them and saw how they worked and all the things that they needed to know, I got more and more intrigued and I was really lucky to have one script supervisor on one of the sets chat with me one day about how you are so important and such a a great middle ground between the editor and director and how much you needed to know about editing. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I don't need to be sitting in a room by myself, (laughs) which is so not my personality. Mm. Um, to, you know, to really get a a piece of editing, I can actually be on set and be with everybody and and be part of that process as well. Mm -hmm. And and still use a little bit of a, um, you know, a post background and have that knowledge. So she told me that uh, she had taken a script supervising class at UCLA Extension. And so I decided to take it uh, 12 weeks 
straight learning about script supervising. And from that point on, I kind of found, found my niche and found where I wanted to be. And I started, you know, working on short films, you know, low budget films and, and just kind of went on from there and just kept going and going, meeting more people and, uh, you know, doing a little bit higher budget films and in features, that's where I started. Mm -hmm. And then through one of my uh, script supervising co-workers that I had met along the way in low budget films, she had actually done the pilot for 24. Mm -hmm. And when it got picked up, uh, she called me up and said, Hey, I need another scripty on our show. We're doing, you know, second units, which is additional units along with the first units. Mm -hmm. And I need someone else here. Um, do you want to come join me? And I said, yes. And that was my jump into episodic television as a script supervisor. And I was with them for eight seasons and off and on, off I went running with my episodic script supervising career. So <laughs> that was my journey. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. I saw IMDb. Uh, we were looking at your, uh, your credits. I think for 24, it like it only lists you for like some of season four. And for PLL, it only lists you for like a few episodes, but you're the, the script supervisor on PLL. Is that right? Yes, that's mm -hmm. correct. There was, um, one of the seasons, uh, there was actually two, a couple seasons where, um, I alternated with another script supervisor. The first season I did it was just a little bit of a, a help because, um, I'm also a mom of two boys. So mm -hmm. it was, uh, something I needed to do when my husband was out of the country, uh, shooting something. He's a camera operator. So he was working oh, cool. out of the country. So I alternated for a couple seasons and, um, you know, it worked out really well, but, uh, there were many seasons, all, most of the seasons I've done myself. Mm -hmm. And so I assume when we, when we see these Instagram photos from the stars and it's like 5 a.m. and they're on the set <laughs> doing a shoot, you're there too, right? You have to. Yep. Be. Yep. Yep. Every every single hour that they're shooting, I'm there. So it was it was fascinating when we were on the set because there were so many moving parts and people that we were you know trying to take in and brain our tiny brains processing like <laughs> who does that person do? Like I remember there was one girl I kept looking at her and I had no idea for the life of me who she was until I found out you know 45 minutes later she was like Troy Belisario stand-in. <laughs> um, but like you yeah. know we're like we're like watching Joseph Doherty, we're watching Norman Buckley, we're watching Larry Riemann. And then I was watching you like your finger constantly moving over the script or making notes. And I was just like utterly fascinated <laughs> by the process. It's um, it's a it's a really fun job. It's not easy. You definitely have to be really comfortable at being a multitasker because, you know, like I said, you're not just watching dialogue. You know, you know, you have to look at the script and make sure they're doing the dialogue right, as well as you know, making sure that they, you know, take the step on the line that they did in the master at the same time or picked up the glass and with the same hand that they picked it up with. And, you know, there's so many aspects that you're watching all in one moment that if you are not comfortable at being a multitasker, it's not the job for you. <laughs> yeah, I was just actually watching the I think it was the second to last episode that's aired last night where there's a scene where like Spencer's like pouring some it's like v8 but it might be like pasta sauce it's unclear and there's a lot of moments like that in the show where they're they're doing something with their hands while they talk and i was thinking well that must be something that you have to pay attention to along with everything else the whole time you do you you have to watch it at all times and the biggest 
joy that you could get is when you get on a show that your actors are 100% aware of continuity. And, um, you know, they, they know that it's a big part of it. And the girls are fantastic. They are all so great with their continuity. And, you know, I mean, things happen all the time and things are always a little bit different. Or sometimes the director wants to change it up a little bit from what it was. And that's where the editing comes in and, you know, the magic happens where it all ends up kind of blending smoothly, even when they did it just a little bit differently. So I remember that scene that we watched, like, you know, no spoilers, but like <laughs> when we left, I remember we were both kind of turning each other and we were like, well, they still need to do like Aria's coverage. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. I know it's, uh, you know, and that happens, especially when you get into a scene with all the girls and there's a lot going on and you have to move quick. And then the director's thinking about time and the assistant director is saying, we got to go, we got to go. Things can literally, you can think you did something, mm -hmm. but you didn't. And that's where my job comes in is you jump in and say, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> you didn't get Aria's coverage for this spot. And, right. and you know, that's where, that's where our job is, is truly a big help. So, so it works out really well. So how did you get on PLL to begin with? I was, once again, um, my my really good friend, Tracy Ziegler, who is a script supervisor, she actually was uh, the original one who got called for the job. Uh, she had worked with both Lisa Cochran and Skip Bodine, our line producer and uh, UPM on the show, on a previous show, and they had called her for it. And she just had uh, a baby herself, and she wasn't able to start it right away. So she called me to come in with her to alternate and cover the first couple episodes till she was able to come in. And um, things just kind of changed within her life and she ended up moving out of state. So I just ended up taking uh, the show completely. And that's how I, I ended up in the PLL world. So and I'm very unbelievably blessed and thrilled to to be in it. It's been an amazing amazing show with an amazing group of people the producers are all, i mean there's kind of no words for them <laughs> and um and you know the actors are wonderful and it's just a great family it just it's a great place to be great place to go to work too when you have to work you know 12 to 13 hours a day sometimes so, so you, you mentioned a little bit but you have a fascinating like resume in imdb which includes six feet under american dreams Daybreak, starring Tate Diggs, yeah. uh, Van Wilder, Touch, 24, <laughs> Torchwood, Women's Murder Club, Mentalist, yep. a horror movie that I actually saw a long time ago with Rose <laughs> McGowan, yeah. a movie that has scarred me forever, which is the underground comedy movie, um, <laughs> Lauren, which uh, featured Troy and Bell star and Jennifer Beals, and I believe yeah. I read that you shadowed Leslie Lincoln Gladder on that as, as in the directing roles. But I did. Mm -hmm. How does the role of script superhero change from production to production, like movies to to web series to episodic television? You know, it it doesn't really change drastically. What what changes is basically the pace. Mm -hmm. uh, it depends. You know, features a lot of times. I, I mean, most of the time, features have a lot longer uh, time to shoot, so mm -hmm. you don't have to. You know, you're not stuck shooting. 10 pages of the script in one day, like you are in episodic television. So you have a lot more breathing room mm. to be able to do things in a little more slower pace. Whereas in episodic television, things move a lot faster. And I mean, between shows that with all the shows that you mentioned that I've been on, they're all very different. Mm. I mean, I spent 
you know, eight seasons on, on 24, which was really fast paced, lots of action, lots of gunfire, lots of mm. blowing up things. And so you're looking at things in a different way in, in, you know, the things you have to look for in an action versus a drama like Six Feet Under or, you know, Women's Murder Club has a lot more, you know, crime and drama and not a lot of, not a lot of action. So. Mm-hmm. It's just really, truly about where you are within the script and, and how the pace goes of things. But the job of the script supervisor doesn't change. Nothing mm-hmm. changes mm-hmm. in that respect. When does it, like, when does your process start with each episode? Is it at production or are you part of any kind of produ- production stuff with the coming episodes between like the editor and a director? Well, we have a prep. Uh, so we are, we start getting the scripts when pretty much from the network draft onto production drafts. So as soon as the network draft comes out is when we start to read it and get just a feel of what the next episode is going to be. And, you know, so that's kind of when it starts. And then we, once the production draft comes out is when you start the full prep of breaking it down as a script supervisor, the job also entails keeping a running time and the page count so that by the end of the episode, the page count has to zero out, which means you've shot every every scene. And if it doesn't zero out, you're either missing something or something might be a stock shot, you know, so you, mm-hmm. you basically you have to keep that tally so you know that everything's being shot correctly. So you have to break down in page count, character, you know, look at the script and and all that also goes out with all the other departments as well. We're all doing that together. The wardrobe department, the makeup department, and the props department, we all do our own breakdowns that hopefully they all mesh together to know if something has to continue within scenes, like a folder needs to show up from scene one through scene five, or she has to be wearing a jacket that was dirty from scene 16 through 20, but then clean, you know, on there. So mm-hmm. within all our departments, we start breaking it down before we start shooting it so that we know what needs to be, uh, happen and what needs to be done when we start shooting the episode. I had a question about 24. Um, that show kind of a unique editing style, at least with the, the split screens and whatnot. Was mm-hmm. that all in the script where it's like, you know, it's going to do a, a three panel and, you know, Chloe's looking pensive in one. Like, did you know, like, we need to get these shots or like, how did they work with that? Usually, uh, within the scripts of 24, the split screen actually was stated in the script, usually at the end when, mm. you know, they start wrapping up the episode and then, you, you know, they're giving you that, you know, moment of all the, the, te- you know, tense, pensive stuff that's happening before they mm. end the episode. <laughs> but the editors made the decision whether or not they were going to put in split screen or, you know, and then our executive producer and creator made those decisions mm. on, when the split screen would come, a lot of times, usually they were phone calls or tense moments that would happen. So you kind of see it because it was shot in the scripts were real time. You mm-hmm. know, they wanted to kind of show the moments of what was happening in one storyline, you know, storyline to the other. And hopefully they coincide together so you can see kind of both sides of it. But we didn't know a lot of times when they were going to do it until the end when you know that they had to be split screens. So. Mm-hmm. I can I can just imagine the the conversations about like Kiefer's intensity level. <laughs> like guys, Kiefer's at a twelve and scene sixteen, but at seventeen, in scene seventeen, he's only like at a nine. We, we got to amp up the the intensity. <laughs> no, you don't tell what Kiefer when to amp up the intensity. <laughs> 
he knows that character like nobody else. <laughs> he knows where he needs to be and he knows the intensity level where he wanted to be at. <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful man, by the way. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely a big fan of 24. Um, so we noticed uh, that you were part of an ABC Disney talent development program. Uh, right now. Yeah, uh, I believe that Zetna Fuentes and uh, Nzinga Stewart were part of it as well. Uh, we'd like to just hear, can you talk a little more about that? Yeah, I'm in the program right now. It's a two-year program uh, with ABC Disney, and it's it's a great program. It, it, it takes upcoming directors and gives them an opportunity to, um, to break in and, and get into the episodic world. Granted, there are a lot of the program directors that already work in episodic like me, who's been a script supervisor, but it gives you an opportunity uh, through shadowing mm -hmm. to go into other shows and really kind of establish a networking opportunity with the shows and to see and to see the different ways other shows shoot, you know, work their day and shoot in, on their particular show because everybody's different. Every show is different. Every show has a style of how they have the, how they run their show and what is actually on screen. So it's a great opportunity to see the different ways that, that they work and, and establish, you know, establish really good networking opportunities with the showrunners and the directors that are shooting and the DPs that work the show and the actors. And it's really, it's a great program that uh, has been wonderful. I had the opportunity before we started uh, season six of Pretty Little Liars to shadow on Scandal. Mm -hmm. which was amazing. It was a, a great opportunity. Tom Verica is an amazing producer and uh, Mary Howard is the line producer who is fantastic. And it was a great opportunity. The whole cast and crew was really welcoming. And, you know, as a shadow, it's exactly what the name is. You, you stand back and you just take it all in and then really kind of take your opportunities to ask any questions that you can at the right moments about things you may not know or how they shoot certain things. Um, you know, like for instance, if, you know, you do watch Scandal, they have, you know, those, those moments of, uh, the photo burst where it goes, you know, goes in really fast into certain spots of the scene. And I had no idea how they did it. And it was a great opportunity to get on the set and see exactly how they did it, which <laughs> was more simple than I thought. <laughs> so, so I had a wonderful time over there and met a bunch of amazing people. The director I was shadowing, Jano Swarik, was someone I actually had worked with as a script supervisor on Women's Murder Club. So I was able to really take the time to just kind of see him, you know, see his process through prep and shooting as a director versus being his script supervisor. So it was it was a great opportunity. The program's great. And I'm so thankful that Disney is uh, ABC and Disney takes the time to put programs like this together and really give upcoming directors an opportunity to have that networking possibilities um that they mm. where you know other times don't have and there are a lot of program directors that have not been in the episodic world we have someone in there from uh, uh the commercial world which is way completely different than episodic and um and it's great a lot of females a lot of males and it's it's a really great program i'm in, i'm enjoying it <laughs> and before that actually last year i was also in the warner brothers directing workshop Oh, cool. Um, nice. that's taught by Bethany Rooney, who is currently shooting episode 607 right now. And, um, that's also an amazing program as well to really teach you how to learn about episodic directing. So it's, it's, it's been great. It's been a great journey these last couple of years. Oh, very cool. Yeah. 
So not only are you directing an upcoming episode of PLO. I am. But yes. you, which we definitely want to get into, but you also wrote and directed a short film, You and Me, which yes. uh, your husband worked on and featured roles for like Tyler Blackburn and Francesca Rollins, who's one of the writers. How did that project come about? That project came about through through my journey through Pretty Little Liars, kind of, you know, planting the, you know, the little seed in the producer's heads that I really want to move up and, and direct an episode. <laughs> you know, it's it's not easy and it's it's a bit of a challenge. And your biggest challenge is not the people that work around you who say you can do it. It's, you know, it's the network and the studio. It's It's when you haven't directed, even though you've spent pretty much half your life working in episodic, te- you know, television mm-hmm. or working in the film industry, when you haven't directed something, it's a little harder for them to say, yes, you can, you know, yes, you can have an episode. So because I hadn't directed and I wanted to, mm-hmm. it needed, it, you know, I needed to do something and I needed to get out there. And there was a story that I had read about three, four years ago uh, about uh, a couple who, um, an elderly couple who were in a car accident who died within a couple hours of each other. And I was always, it, it was something about the story that just kind of really resonated with me and sat with me. And I'm, you know, I, drama is, is my passion and I love it. And love stories are amazing. And to be able to get, you know, so much emotion out of your audience just by being able to tell a story about you know, a love story about people is is something I love to do. So when I heard this story about this couple, I thought, you know, let's tell a story similar, but tell it in such a way that it's it's from the point of view of the couple mm-hmm. and, and everything you see and everything that you witness is through their point of view. And another thing about what I love to shoot is is period pieces. And I chose to make it a period piece in 15 minutes. And (laughs) (laughs) so uh, my story takes place in four time periods, present day, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And it's just a love story shot in the point of view of this couple uh, and their journey together um, as a couple through good times and bad till the end. And um, we decided we needed to shoot a film. We wrote it with my really good friend, Steve Lanza, who was my co-writer. And uh, within six months, we wrote it, produced it, shot it, and <laughs> it was complete. And um, I had something to show the studio network. And Tyler had Tyler Blackburn had always been someone, as I was writing it, that I was looking to play my lead. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he has an amazing heart, an amazing soul, and it comes out in his acting. And I knew that he would he would be perfect for my lead and you know what better person to be part of the project as well as also having someone from pretty little liars in my short to be able to show the mm. network that I'm able to direct one of your actors <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah um, and he loved the story and he was on board and came on board and you know Francesca Rollins who was an actress you know, for many years, kind of put that on hold. I wanted to see what she could do for me. She had a very small part, but I asked her if she wanted to be a part of it and she accepted and I was really happy about it. And, um, and it just all just kind of fell together perfectly and mm-hmm. has been my little gold bar <laughs> is what I call my short film. It's been an amazing, amazing journey with it. So it's done well. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So, uh, yeah, you do have a, an episode of PLL coming up that you'll be directing. Uh, 
how do you begin to prepare for that? It's hard to prepare for for that episode. And the reason is right now is because, you know, as most of the fans know, and as you guys know, right now, Perdilla Liars is in what we call 6A, the first mm-hmm. 10 episodes of season six, which we're still with the girls in high school. And in 6B, for the last 10 episodes, is when we're jumping forward four years or five years uh, with the girls, which everybody's aware of. Mm-hmm. So we're taking a little bit of a jump in, a big jump in where the girls are going to be and where the storylines of the Pretty Little Liars are going to be. So that isn't set yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't know uh, where it's going to be. My episode is episode 617, which is towards the end mm-hmm. of the season. So a lot can happen between episode 610 and 617. And I'm not sure the writers know where that is going to be yet. So I can't really truly prepare script wise um, Mm. for it until, um, you know, several more episodes have been written and I kind of know the direction that they're going. Um, So I think somewhere around, you know, when we when we make the jump in 610, as the girls and everybody starts finding their place in the next uh, stage of the Pretty Little Liars is where I can start kind of really grasping where they are emotionally as characters mm-hmm. and and see where it's going. But storyline, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea at all. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. What or, or who do you feel are some of your influences as far as directing, though? You know, that's really, it's a bit of a hard question for me. Like, there are a lot of people who like Norman or Joe Doherty or, or anybody like that, you know, it's very easy for them. They are, you know, I, I call them filmmaker connoisseurs. They, they watch so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do, you know, ev- from across the board, so many films and, and so many different filmmakers. And I honestly, even I am a filmmaker and I love making films. I wish that I had a little more opportunity to watch more, mm-hmm. more than I do. But anything drama driven is in respect to directing has, has been a big influence. You know, it, it seems kind of, I would love to say that Hitchcock was huge for me, <laughs> but I can't say that it was. Um, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of, of the, of the young romances, you know, like Cameron Crowe, almost famous mm-hmm. and, you know, all those, all those drama, based young driven you know dramas were were a huge huge big influence on me but then you go to frank darabont and shawshank redemption i mean Mm -hmm. that movie my all-time favorite being that it was a period piece and so so drama driven it was unbelievable i thought that was such a magnificent uh film and shot amazing and beautifully someone's in particular i really don't have i i like across the board anything that touches me if I try and look at the director, but it's, it's everywhere. It's all over the place. Mm. You know, in the episodic world, Leslie Linka Gladder is my mentor and she is an amazing director and she is a beautiful storyteller in the way she, she, you know, shoots her shows, any, anything she shoots. And she really brings you into the world that you are watching with, with her style of directing. And, and I love it. And she's, she's definitely an inspiration in that respect. So, so that's kind of where I'm at. Well, I mean, I have to say like, I, I kind of binged the uh, first season of Lauren last night on YouTube mm-hmm. and 
it was it's very minimal in what's there but like it becomes a play like they the acting just jumps out of the screen i, I always thought that was fascinating because i mean like especially once trying gets going in that yeah as that season <laughs> progressed her and jennifer feels but so basically as far as directing goes you would say that your style is still kind of developing it is. It is. I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna develop. I think in everything that I do, mm. um, where you know that's the great thing about episodic television. It's it's everywhere. I mean, there there is no one single type of genre that that is not out there. So my my style could develop in so many different ways. I've I've been involved in action as a script supervisor, and I know how to shoot action. I can shoot it. But I've been involved in drama as well. And it will all develop in the sense of, you know, in, in whatever I'm shooting. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever pretend that I have one style because it can all change. And depending on the script you get, depending on what the writer gives you, can completely change your style and in, into what it's going to be. But you're not also going to veer off what the style of, let's say, the show is if mm -hmm. you are working in, in, in the TV world. Right. If you're in a feature world, it's different. Um, but whatever is best to tell the story and it's going to evolve and mm -hmm. I don't ever pretend it's not going to, it's going to stay exactly the same mm -hmm. because I wouldn't want it to stay exactly the same. Exactly. So when you're shooting 617, does that mean you get to make Norman your script supervisor? <laughs> oh, Norman, if you're listening to this, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually Norman's going to be my supervising director um, because this is my first uh this is my directorial debut in episodic television. The studio requires me to have a supervising director. Um, so he's coming back to, uh, to hang out and, uh, sit behind me and, you know, poke me and tell me, <laughs> do you really want to do that? <laughs> um, just clear his throat every once in a while. Clear his throat and say, and roll his eyes. <laughs> So yeah, no, he will be there behind me, and I'm so thankful that I do have him behind me because he has been an amazing support and such a, a, a wonderful mentor as well, and and so supporting of everything that I've done in my journey to to this point as a director. And I'm so lucky and blessed to have have met him and have call him a friend, and uh, I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled he's coming to join me in this. <laughs> but no, he will not be my script supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one question i'm just curious about like at the end of the day like when you're when you're done with the show and you just sit down to watch you know random episode tv do you find yourself just focusing on like continuity and and like blocking constantly or, or, or are you able to kind of like turn that off and just enjoy a tv show it depends on the show <laughs> most of the time i'm able to to just turn it off because, you know, if I really, really enjoy this, the show itself and it's, it's executed well, there's no reason for me to have that, you know, to have that button on, you know, it's, it's, it's telling the story. It's putting me in that place. So I, I, I try really, really hard not to turn that on. And most of the time it's not, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times I, I go back into, you know, I go back a little bit into the editorial side of me and want to, you know, and look at, oh, wow, I wonder why they chose to do that and, mm -hmm. you know, chose to put that together. Or I look at it as, uh, from a directorial standpoint and, you know, wonder why they chose to shoot it that way or, you know, to go into 
that type of performance. But most of the time, I would probably say about 90% of the time, I'm just watching it as a viewer and a fan and, and I'm able to shut it off. So speaking of which, do you have a favorite episode of PLO or a favorite sequence from the show? I have a couple favorite sequences. I mean, all the shows are, are, are really, they're, they're great, but I have two pretty specific uh, little sequences. And, um, the first one, which is always the one that stands out in my head came from, uh, season two, episode nine, picture this, which was written by, uh, Janelle Lennon, mm. um, and directed by the amazing Patrick Norris. And it was, uh, I call it the goodbye scene between, uh, Caleb and Hannah. Mm. And that's mm. where Caleb went, uh, to go- when he found his mom and he went to go and see his, uh, stay with his mom or finally meet his mom in uh, Montecito. Mm. And it was the moment where he had to say goodbye to Hannah. And that sequence was very simple, not a lot of coverage, but the emotion that came out of both Tyler and Ashley was so genuine and so heart-wrenching, not knowing if they were going to see each other again. And, and, and the, just the emotion that came out of the, those two was so unbelievably real that that particular sequence has always stuck in my head. And Patrick did such an amazing job, you know, directing that. And it was written so beautifully that that particular one, actually, I would have to say is my favorite. And then the sequence in, uh, also season two, episode 25, directed by Leslie Lincoln Gladder was the opening sequence to when the girls came into the masquerade ball. Mm-hmm. Um, that just the 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 gallantry of of, of <laughs> the whole sequence and how beautifully shot it was and how beautiful it looked i just thought was you know it just kind of just opened you up into the world of where they were going to and and i i love that but truly between the two definitely 209 the Caleb and Hannah was was the one that's always <laughs> stuck with me. yeah i'm looking at that one right now it's the long-haired Caleb i kind of miss yeah. that guy <laughs> I do too. <laughs> that was my favorite part. This this was that, you know, that really, you know, tough yet innocent side of Caleb that is I miss. I miss mm-hmm. that. <laughs> it's it's funny we were just watching before before we spoke to you, the uh episode of the Truth Up Day. Two nineteen. Yeah, Caleb's uh confronting uh Jenna. For her, oh. her hypocrisy and <laughs> oh my, <laughs> and he, he's able to turn on at the very end. The oh, by the way, this oh, is Caleb way. speaking. <laughs> he couldn't guess. Yeah, there. Oh, yeah. hey, I, I have a question about that scene you're talking about in Unmasked. Where is that location? That like, is it the same place that all these kind of like weird balls happen in Rosewood? Are you talking about where the the masquerade where, ball is? Where the masquerade ball was? Mm-hmm. Well. You know, it's interesting the way we do those, <laughs> those big things. I'm assuming the way they, it, Rosewood has so many open spaces available to, <laughs> to its town of where they throw these big galas. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, I would like to believe there's one space available in Rosewood for them to put on all these wonderful fashion shows and proms mm-hmm. and masquerade balls because I don't know any cafeteria or auditorium in any high school that can do what we do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, in respect to the script and the story and the, the town of Rosewood specifically, don't know exactly where they held that, but I can tell you what stage it was. <laughs> <laughs> is there, is there ever a thing from in the world of PLL and Rosewood that ever just 
like mystifies you or baffles you? Like you ever like just like sit there and wonder like how does that happen or why is the town like that? I remember uh, when we brought our maps. Norm Buckley was talking about him and Larry Reeman were looking at it, and and Larry was like, "Well, what about this?" And and Norm was like, "Well, no, Larry, it, it was over here." Blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't really say that anything truly mystifies me because you know it's Rosewood is is it's own special twilight zone is what i call it i think what mystifies me the most is sadly uh sometimes how unpresent the parental guidance <laughs> is in this town <laughs> out of town being lawyers so, yeah out of town being lawyers you know so no not really no it's it's fun it's nothing nothing's ever mystifying it's um what's the word i'm looking for it's it's like I said, it's, it's its own little twilight zone. So any new corner or any new mystery or any new storyline is like, ah, it's Rosewood. <laughs> you, know? you just assume, of course, there's a business yeah. there that's just throwing plates at the wall. That would yeah. exist. Yeah, yeah, that exists in Rosewood. You know, I, I had never heard of that one <laughs> before <laughs> and apparently it existed. <laughs> so at some point. Well, I, I just, I love. The, the nature of this of TV shows in general, but this TV show where like, you know, we were sitting in a hotel room, like working on maps and like really devising like completely two different towns, <laughs> you I'm know, sure. and, I, and I love that. Like a lot of people can even people working on the show can watch the show and then like think like, well, no, that would be over here. Like, well, no, it'd be over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it always it, it actually always mystifies me how that small little strip of rosewood center town just mm -hmm. encompasses so many businesses right. in like this small little area but we always they always pop up you know <laughs> <laughs> would you say there's any character on the show that you feel closest to or like most like relatable to you or like you're the high school version of you oh hmm. partially aria <laughs> Not in the sense of, of her edginess or, you know, because she has, you know, she has that edginess to her of, you know, whether it be her style or whatever the case may be. But I think mostly within her, you know, her, her hobbies and her passion, you know, right now, you know, her big, her big side job or her big passion and, and, and hobby is photography. And that was pretty much my entire high school career. Mm -hmm. Um, I spent my entire high school, I, I, I pretty much say I spent my entire high school career in the dark room. Um, I was, uh, one of the photo editors on the yearbook. So <laughs> I was constantly out there with my camera shooting football games or whatever the case may be. And, and then spending the time in the dark room developing. And I think that's truly where a lot of my, my love came for visuals is, you know, just taking pictures on my own and being in there and finding any type of different shots that I could find that would look interesting and beautiful. And, and that's kind of where, that's where I was in high school. And I know that's her love. And she's also, you know, she's, you know, they're all emotional. The girls are all emotional in their own right in different ways. Um, sometimes I think she wears that a little more on her sleeve than more, you know, than most. And I think probably Aria is where I would connect the most. I know, I know I can tell you that, that Benji and I appreciate your mention the yearbook because that's actually how we met was in our school yearbook. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. yeah <laughs> was I was fun. the editor in chief. 
And, oh, I love it. <laughs> and one of us threw a football and hit the other in the face. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Walking into the yearbook room, that is. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I, I had a lot of uh, I had a lot of wonderful friends in high school, but by no means was I in the in crowd. But it was truly amazing how many people would come out of the word woodwork when they knew that their picture would get into the yearbook because mm-hmm. I have the camera in my hand, you know? So so it was an interesting high school career. <laughs> and I think yearbook, it's it's an interesting experience, not just because you are you have a job that you're mm-hmm. doing, but it's like you're, in a very weird way, you're processing your high school experience in, yes. in the immediate now in a different way than your peers. Right. And like telling a story and it can get political because it's like you can't necessarily tell the story how it is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, I know. I know. And it's funny that you say telling a story. And, and that's why I think a lot of, you know, I, I truly found where my calling was and how, you know, getting into the film industry and being a filmmaker and a creator kind of was that's where I was going. I was starting to tell a story way back when. And and that was my love and my passion. And, and it's continued. And thank God has paid off in my life. <laughs> so in your wildest fantasy, would there be a sequence you'd love to direct on PLO? Like, for example, Norman Buckley has talked about how he's always wanted to do like a musical lesbian bar fight sequence on <laughs> the show. lesbian bar fight sequence, yes. <laughs> I've heard about that sequence since I met Norman. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know, once again, it's, um, I think it goes back in, into my love of, of period pieces. I haven't really thought that far ahead of a, of a sequence that I would want to do. I'm just, you know, wanted to get my foot mm-hmm. in the door of being able to direct an episode. <laughs> what period would you want to go to with these girls? Oh, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a 50s, 60s or 70s, although the 80s would be really kind mm-hmm. of fun to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would really like to go into the 80s and see where they could go with that. I don't know how much the girls would appreciate that. <laughs> just, uh, you know, uh, when we talk about spinoffs, which we, we do a lot in the show now, just imagine the Ella Diaries. Oh, the Ella Diaries. Yeah, that would work. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> um, but I thought it would kind of be really fun to, you know, do a, a little bit of a, you know, like a storybook kind of, you know, genre with them, kind of like a once upon a time, almost kind of mesh between the two would be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But I would say either 80s or that. I haven't thought too much into that process. I'm I'm really, you know, like I said, this this journey with them has been has been pretty big and my my whole brain and concentration is the fact that I've been so lucky to be able to get an episode that <laughs> I'm going to concentrate <laughs> on that right now. <laughs> sure, sure. But I mean, just imagine Mandy Line like designing like a suit of armor outfit for the I'm girls. Telling you, it would be <laughs> it would be short <laughs> and amazingly wonderful <laughs> with high heels. Yeah, a high heel boot. Yeah. <laughs> So when when you get the scripts, is is there ever a time when like you just can't believe what you're reading, like like the twist just blows you away? Oh yeah, a lot of times. <laughs> Sometimes I I look at it with a very perplexed look and wonder, <laughs> okay, where is this going? <laughs> you know, I did not see that coming, and I'm really really wondering where it's going. <laughs> so that comes up more than like oh my god moment. <laughs> like Jason and Ashley Marin. Yeah, kind of, yes. Yeah, like that one. That one was oh, 
<laughs> that was an oh <laughs> moment for me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's um it's every every script is 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 new and every script is is always enjoyable to read and you know sometimes you get the scripts that they have to they have to kind of set a story to get to the next so mm-hmm. you know it, it's not as there's there's not that aha moment yet but right. it's getting there so but you know when those moments come in you just sit there and 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 go oh this is going to be cool mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like this what are they calling the chess piece movie in episodes kind of like game of thrones sometimes it's like Nothing exactly. really happened in the episode except you're kind of setting things up for the next episode. Right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what other shows are you watching now? Mm. Actually, the show that I've, I've really, really uh, gotten into and enjoyed watching a lot, and I'm, I'm very thrilled that it got picked up for a second season, is um, American Crime. Hmm. I wasn't sure what to expect from that when I first started it, and, and it took an episode or two of me to, to really look at it and say this is done well <laughs> really well between the writing and and it's dark and it's depressing and it is a great it is a really great show and i really hope more uh viewers catch on to it and 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 really watch it because i think it's it's good it's really good and the other show that is coming into its second season as well and it's been a while since it's been on and i'm not sure if you've seen it is um halt and catch fire on amc yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just I, talking to Marco about that show. Were you really? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, I, that show from from episode one was that that show grabbed both me and my husband, and we both looked at each other and said, "Finally, a show that we can really get into. Beautifully shot, wonderful." And you know, my husband is you know self proclaimed computer geek. He is mm-hmm. amazing, and all that just kind of wrapped up in with the amazing beautiful cinematography of it was just the stories are great and and i think it's done really well i think that everybody's doing a really great job in that show as you know as well as an american crime and both are going into their second season so i i hope a lot more people catch on and it continues because i think they're great shows it's definitely a subject matter that i didn't perceive to have so much uh, drama I know. <laughs> Much like, like the social network. I, I never thought that would really work as a movie. And then I was pleasantly surprised. Plus, I think, I think Benji and I are both, there's a certain level of captivation with the oddity that is Lee Pace to us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Cause I feel like I've seen him in a ton of things and I'm always waiting for whatever that role is that tips him over to exactly. be the strangest leading man that you've ever encountered. I was actually just having that same conversation with a friend of mine exactly about him as well. And, you know, she said, what have I seen him before? I said, you've seen him on a lot of things, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he hasn't really jumped into that spot yet. And, and this has somehow grabbed him amazingly. So it always seems like he's like just teetering on the edge of like a really awesome comic performance, but he never <laughs> quite goes there. Never gets uh, like him in the, those Hobbit movies, like, He's in a different movie. Like he's like hamming it up in a way that like the rest of the the actors aren't really. And it's like you just you want him to go there all the way. Like in Guardians of the Galaxy, like you wanted him to kind of like play along with the uh, you know the Chris Pratt and whatnot. But I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping to get that from him. <laughs> well, I mean, the Hobbit movies. He he's wearing a crazy wig. He's got this like sociopathic glee on his face, and he's riding a giant moose. 
<laughs> for half the movie. I mean, it's it's I don't he's he's in a whole other like genre, but right. I mean, like uh, I saw him in The Fall, which I think is probably his most straightforward role to a certain extent. But I mean, he was in I keep forgetting he was in um that Brian Fuller show, Pushing um, Daisies, Pushing Daisies, oh, Pushing you know? Daisies, yes, 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 exactly, yeah. So, so no, I agree. So who would Lee Pace play in uh, Rosewood if he came to town? Oh, God, <laughs> maybe he'd be Tony's hey. dad. Whoa. Wait, what did you just say? I said maybe he'd be Toby's dad. Oh. Who we haven't I, seen yet. I want to see Lee Pace face off against Nolan North. I, <gasps> I think Ooh. the world should be demanding that. You have, I think, come on to something quite amazing. And I am going to write that down right now because I think I'm going to pitch that to Marlene. So. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> from everything we've heard nolan north is like hilarious on the set is that true Uh, he is he is a breath of amazing fresh air when he comes on set it's hard to do your job with him it it really (laughs) is and he can go from that intense scotch drinking moment dad (laughs) to cracking a joke within literally about the minute that it takes for him to do the you know, Peter Hastings scene to back to Nolan North. I mean, it's just instantaneous. Uh, you know, our poor boom operators in there, you know, when mm-hmm. they have to hold their booms, <laughs> they're, you know, not quite calling action yet. And they're still rolling the camera. <laughs> you know, he is, he's just lighting it up and he's so hysterical and he's such a great guy. He's so wonderful to work with. According to Keegan Allen's book, Nolan North does a mean uh, robot voice. <laughs> He does a lot of amazing voices, not just <laughs> professionally too. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I don't know that I've actually. He might have done that when I was maybe off ears or wasn't in the room. Uh, I haven't heard his robot voice yet, so I might have to have him uh, bring that up for me so I can hear it. <laughs> yeah, I know that was one thing that fascinated me when we were on the set was the way the actors could just like, you know, they'd be having a conversation between scenes and it's action. So then they just, they just turn it on and they're right into the scene. Um, mm-hmm. And they know the character so well, I imagine by now that they can just drop into it like immediately. Exactly. Yeah. They're all they're. That's what I think is, is great. And, and so, you know, so light on our set is that, you know, they can go between themselves and their character so quickly that, you know, if it's an emotional scene, you're not stuck in that emotion <laughs> all day long, you know, because it could get very draining. And, and they're they're so wonderful and so amazingly talented to be able to to jump right into to that so quickly and then just walk right back into Ashley Benson. Here I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was very fascinating just to 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 meet the actors and then yeah, watch them. You said just go be Hannah and Spencer and then they'll come and they'll. They'll pick up the conversation they were having 20 minutes ago with like Norman and Joseph. And it yes. was, yeah, we, we were definitely starstruck. We were on the set. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys enjoy your time? Yeah, oh, very yeah, much. definitely. Very, very much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, one of the most fascinating things was just to see how many people were there all with each their own job. You know, the, I've, I've never done anything professionally, but I, I kind of get roped into small productions occasionally and. I always feel like really stressed because I have so many different things I'm trying to think about. And it was really neat to see like, well, this person's job is just this and this person's job is that. And the kind of the way everybody works together, even between shots, it's like the director might be over here doing one thing, but then, you know, the set people are busy doing something else, you know, at the same time. It's really neat to see the 
the coordination of everything. Mm-hmm. As as we say, it takes a village. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it but, absolutely does. And so so light though. Like I mean, you really you always hear about like people talk about like the love fest of these things like in interviews. But like really, it seemed like everyone liked each other. Everyone had a good time. Everyone was professional. But like it was a job that people loved to come and do. And I don't know. It's just you, you could just it, I don't know. It emanated off the whole set. It was was mm-hmm. a pleasure to be there. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. You know. As a filmmaker, you're, if you're fortunate enough to get on a show that everybody truly loves and respects each other, it just makes your job not a job, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you can truly do what you love with joy. And our hours are not short and our time there is, is we spend sometimes more time with our film family than we do with our own Mm. so you know if you don't like each other and and you don't respect each other's work it just makes Mm -hmm. it really hard but i can tell you on pretty little liars it's it's a family and it's all of us really love each other a lot and and it comes from the top A, a lot comes from the top our our producers have put together a team that that work so hard and and it shows and you know it, it's an amazing group and and we're all really lucky to be with each other and 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 do what we do every day so all right well marco do you have anything else no uh thank you so much for sharing your your afternoon with us my pleasure i'm my pleasure i hope i i gave some other interesting insight <laughs> oh, sure definitely. wasn't quite as interesting as uh joe and norman but <laughs> <laughs> well, i think the this the job of a script supervisor is interesting just in that you have to be so focused on like, you know, exactly what's happening and whereas everyone else can kind of think about just their own little department, you know, but you, I don't know. I, I found it interesting just watching you do your job, you know. Thank you. Thank well, you. And, and that's one of the things that always fascinates us is, is all the moving parts. And like, just like you said, like your job is like a bridge from one aspect to another. And, and I think that was a, it was a crucial insight to me personally. <laughs> I'm glad I can uh, can share that with everybody else, so they have a a better idea of of what we do. Sometimes uh, sometimes group supervisors feel uh, quite underappreciated. So <laughs> so, um, so I'm glad I was able to get that out there. Awesome, excellent. Well, good luck on your episode. We can't Thank wait to you. see it. Yeah, we're Thank definitely so looking forward to it. Very Thank curious you. to see you know what the show looks like by the time we get to six seventeen. Ah, I hope I do be proud. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw they they just took down Spencer's room or her set. They did. They did. And yeah. you guys are doing six oh seven right now. You said. I know six oh seven. Wow. Six oh seven. We're a couple more days, and uh, in three days we'll start six oh eight. Awesome. Yeah. So sets are starting to come down. The transition's being made. <laughs> Very cool. Well, again, thank you so much, Paul. Pleasure. All right. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.